Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by DreamDrive.life. Explore Japan in comfort and style in a rental customized camper van. Discount code later in the podcast. Hey everyone, you know, I've been doing the Now and Zen podcast for exactly three years. That's 80 episodes with many great guests, wonderful stories, fascinating insights, and I'm often asked, who was my favorite guest? Well, that's a lot like asking a parent who their favorite child is. It's obviously a tough choice and one best not publicly announced. However, I can say, One of my favorite episodes was number 48 from October 2021 with Kaki Okamura. So it's with much pleasure and excitement that I introduce today's guest as once again, Miss Kaki Okamura. Kaki is Japanese, but was born in the US, lives in New York City, and was visiting Japan over the New Year holiday when we sat down once again to record another incredible and fun episode. We discuss her passion for writing about Japanese principles to live a longer and happier life. Her insightful, logical, and empathetic writing style is so refreshing to read and is actually changing people's lives. So much in fact, her writing caught the attention of international literary agents, and she will be publishing her first book in March 2023. We talk about healthy living inspired by Japan, guilt-free snacking, how to overcome self-doubt, and of course, her new book titled WA, The Art of Balance. This is definitely another one of my favorite episodes, so let's get right to it. Direct from Tokyo, this is Now in Zen with author Kaki Okamura. Kaki, welcome back to Japan. Cheers. Kanpai. Well, I'm so excited. You are only one of a handful of return guests on the podcast. That is a huge honor. Thank you so much. You know, your last episode was in October of 21. Oh my God. It was episode number 48. (laughs) To this day, it is still my favorite episode that I've recorded. Seriously. Are you not just saying that? I'm not just saying that. When I tell people that I do a podcast, and they say, oh, which... Who, who should I listen to? Or yeah. what's what's a, an episode that you recommend? I always recommend number 48, the interview with Kaki Okumura. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's ah, I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> You've still been writing mm-hmm. on your blog, on Medium, yeah. and your writing is absolutely wonderful. You are so talented, and that's a big reason why I wanted to have you back. Thank you. So, Kaki, you have a new tagline, learn to be healthier, inspired by life in Japan. I love it. Could you explain what this means and what potential readers of your blog and listeners of this podcast can expect to learn? Yes. First, I would like to start off with defining healthy. From my perspective, health is not just about you know, your weight or your athleticism. It really encompasses your health holistically. So that's your physical health, but also your mental health. I would even describe it as your spiritual health as well. So feeling comfortable in your mind and body. And 
Good health is indicated by not any arbitrary number, but it's really, do you feel good in your body? Can you do the things you want to do in life with a lot of energy, with a lot of enthusiasm? And if you can do that, then you can define yourself as healthy. So learning to be healthier is not just about learning how to eat well and you know exercise. It encompasses that, but it's also about, okay, how do we connect with the people around us? How do we do the things that we love without meeting burnout? How do we find good mental health? All of that. And you take a Japanese approach to it. Yes. I say inspired by life in Japan because it's not like all Japanese people do all the healthiest things, but there are aspects of life in Japan which I feel are unique to Japanese culture and you can't always find it everywhere else. And, you know, taking those ideas and concepts and values and applying it to how we can find like a good healthy balance what it is that I write about. No, that's fantastic and one of the reasons why your writing really resonates with me it's interesting because you just mentioned that being healthy isn't about statistics Mm -hmm. or numbers Mm -hmm. but in fact when you look at Japan and you said Japan isn't the healthiest country in the world it might be because when you do look at those statistics Obesity rates are the lowest in, I think, the industrial world. Yeah. Longevity mm-hmm. is one of the highest in the world. So there are some statistics, there are some numbers that back up what you're saying. No, that's totally fair. When it comes to health on a macro scale, like you want to look at those statistics. And Japan has very high... They're, they're doing very well. <laughs> it's not because Japanese people are inherently more disciplined or that we care about health more. I think a lot of other people from other cultures do, and it's important, but the way the health is approached through the Japanese perspective allows it to achieve some of its goals surrounding health. When I say don't worry about the numbers, that's more on a personal level, but when you're measuring across communities, across countries, yes, those statistics do share a lot and teach us a lot about what's working. I, for example, never weigh myself. Yeah. The only time I've ever weighed myself, or I've been weighed, is during a physical. Yeah. But I, I never get up in the morning, or I, I don't I don't even have a scale at mm-hmm. home. I, instead, I just look at myself in the mirror, <laughs> and I'm like, do I need to go to the gym more, or do I not? <laughs> or am I satisfied with what I'm seeing? Yeah. And I use that more as no, a gauge. No, that's such a better way, because also, your weight fluctuates by the hour, by the day. I remember speaking with a friend once and she was panicking because she's like, oh my god, I'm three kilograms heavier today than I was yesterday. There's no way you gain like three kilos of fat. It's water weight or you're just bloated or maybe, you know, maybe your scale is just on a tilted surface and it's telling you a number that's different from yesterday. Don't worry, you know. Well, you write a lot about Japanese food culture. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that you're most well-known for. So, being back in Japan after so long, did you gain any new insights into Japanese food culture this trip? I'm going to go off topic for a second, but I promise I'll answer a question. And it's something that's really struck me coming back is I was having a conversation with my mom. We were talking about things that she feels she used to have as a child that maybe is not so common in society today. And one thing she mentioned was that there's a word called teine in Japanese. Teine. Teine. To translate, it's like to live. She was saying that people don't know how to live in a teine fashion. So Doesn't teine mean polite? 
it can mean polite, but it can also mean in a very dignified human way. She was complaining that people these days don't know how to live in a Tene fashion. One example she gave was that because we have cell phones, it's so convenient to like change plans or be like, hey, can we meet here instead or can we move the time to this place? And that is not respectful of other people's time. It's not respectful of your own time and own boundaries. And at the expense of convenience that we've lost this aspect of Tene. But coming back to Japan, I can understand where we might lose that sort of etiquette in some places, but Japan is still very much a very tene culture. Places well, especially like, you're coming from New York. <laughs> yeah, especially okay. coming from New York. Okay. <laughs> you may want to qualify that. <laughs> um, yes, I live in New York right now, and yeah. it is very <laughs> different from yeah. the culture you might find in Tokyo. If you're meeting up for someone for dinner, people show up on time. It's very... You know, not the norm to be 15 minutes late. If I'm getting dinner in New York, making plans with my friends, if they're 15 minutes late, that's like normal. It might even be on their good side. Late is around 30 minutes, but that's pretty unthinkable with my Japanese friends who have grown up、yeah. in a culture where five minutes early is almost the standard and people will show up on time. Also, getting food service, even if I'm not going to like the fanciest hotel restaurant. People are very polite in terms of how they place food in front of you, how they plate that food. And then the language they use is also very, hey, we respect you, we're grateful you're here as a guest. And that sort of attitude of putting in your best effort, making it a very human experience, and not just about, okay, let's make things faster, let's make things more convenient, but that human interaction is something that I've really come to re recognize and appreciate. That Japanese culture is able to keep a lot of that tene ideals. And, It's especially、yeah. amazing given the fact that there's no tipping in Japan. Yes. So, <laughs> this culture that you just mentioned of, of, of tene, especially in the hospitality industry, and there's no tipping, it's more incredible because there's no ulterior motive for the staff to be this polite、yeah. or to. Care about the level of service that they're offering. So that, that's amazing. There's no tipping, and it's like, why are you acting so kind? It's really an inherent sense of pride in someone's own work. I just had a bigger appreciation because I think it not only makes the interaction between customer and service, but also you hold more pride in your own work. It brings a sense of confidence、yeah. to know that you're doing a good job, to know that you're making other people's lives better. Sure. That is something also makes a meal more enjoyable. You slow down, you really respect the atmosphere, the environment you're in. And that's something I all, I've just really been appreciating while I've been back. That was an excellent answer. I totally agree with it. But do you have a specific example? Yes. If you go to any nice establishment, like a hotel, you know you're gonna receive nice service because it's a luxury environment. But the thing about Japan is you can go into like a convenience store. They will also treat you like you are the most important guest, put things on the counter, they place it into the bag very carefully. When you leave the store, they bow. I'm just some person、yeah. going into a convenience store, but to have that level of respect, Also, if I'm looking for something, so I'm like, hey, I'm looking for this, where might I find it? 
they'll drop whatever they're doing, show me exactly where it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that just happened to me yesterday. Really? I was in a bookstore looking for a magazine. I couldn't find any staff around, so I went to the register. There's one gentleman standing there, and I asked him, where is this cooking magazine? And he just shuts down his register and walks me all the way over to the location. He searches for it. Oh, here it is. It's right here. No, it's incredible. A lot of foreigners talk about that, especially visitors to Japan. Mm -hmm. If they ask for directions, yeah. you've heard that story probably. A foreigner will ask a random Japanese on the street you know, how to get to such and such location, and the person will feel a responsibility to actually take them to that location. Yeah. <laughs> not in every case, of course, but I often hear that. Yeah, it's not a rare occurrence. That's for sure. <laughs> Speaking of foreigners, and also speaking of Japanese food and Japanese culture, one thing foreigners always love about Japan is the food. Mm. How delicious it is, the quality of the ingredients, the presentation, all true. However, another reason the food gets such praise is one gets to eat a large variety of dishes. If you go to an izakaya, like a mm -hmm. Japanese pub, for example, you might share six, seven, maybe even ten dishes. Yeah. <laughs> because they're all so small and everybody can share them. Unlike in Western countries, especially the U.S., where every portion, even appetizers, are so huge. Yeah. The idea of eating out in the U.S., moderation is not part of the conversation. It's not. No. Coming to Japan, even if it's you're not sharing your meal with someone else, if you get like a lunch set, there's always three, four different things on the side. And it's not just rice and your main dish, but it's like, oh, here's the soup. Here's a little pickle dish. That idea of a meal should be a few different things and have a lot of variety and color. I feel like that's something uh, very special to Japanese. Yeah, but meals. I also think it's overlooked because everyone always talks about how delicious and yeah. how, how authentic. When I have visitors that come to Japan and I take them to a Japanese restaurant, I always order a rice dish, a tofu dish, a vegetable dish, a meat dish, some yakitori or some sushi or tempura or whatever. It goes on and on. And the portions are appropriate. Mm -hmm. Everybody can share it. Everybody can enjoy it. The idea that people will stop eating at the same level is, you know, we have a human psychology around eating. It's not just that you're eating the same amount every single time, but just seeing a larger portion, you'll probably eat more than you want even. Not just more than you need, but more than you want, and you end up leaving a meal feeling, you know, overstuffed, overfull. That's not necessarily always a bad thing. I think, you know, holidays, special occasions, meeting friends you haven't seen in a while. Sure. Like those sorts of events, yes, go all out. You know, you want to feel full and stuff. But if you make that full, really overly stuffed feeling normalized, you know, you don't feel so great. And that can be damaging to our health, not just physically, but also mentally. We just don't feel great. For sure. You wrote an article about this very thing called the psychology behind why Japanese people are so healthy. <laughs> I love the title, but to summarize, you wrote it's moderation yes. and portions. But moderation and portions, is that considered psychology? Psychology really encompasses human behavior. If you see a certain amount in front of you, that tells you 
your sent a message that this is what is appropriate for a single meal. It's not that we memorized what a single serving of rice and a single serving of meat looks like. It's right. just when we see it in front of us, it's on a plate, we're like, oh, this is what I should be able to finish. And so there are definitely studies done on this. If people eat off like a bigger plate, they just tend to eat more because it looks like it's not as much food, but that same portion is on a smaller plate. They tend to leave a little bit more behind just because it looks like more food. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Do you study psychology? I did not study psychology, but I think I read a lot about studies around eating habits and yeah. how people think about food just because I have a big interest Well, in you it. do write a lot about food, but you also write about mental health, you write about well-being. They're all tied together. They're yes. all related, of course. <laughs> it's obvious that you're very, very passionate and interested in it. Yes. For me, I like retail business, mm -hmm. and I am super fascinated about the psychology of the retail business, how yes. you get people to buy more, you know, where you, what price points you put it at, what location you put it at, where the promotions are, yeah. and all of these things are super fascinating for me. But I imagine that food, nutrition, everything that's related to it mm -hmm. must be fascinating for you as well. Yes. The more I learn about it too, it becomes less about you know, oh, Japanese people just tend to eat less or, oh, Japanese people just like vegetables more. It's really about, okay, presentation makes a huge difference in how we feel about a meal. Taking spaghetti and just slapping it on a plate versus the difference of, you know, taking the time to, like, plate it well, put on some garnish. You'll eat that meal much slower than if you're on the couch with a big bowl and a fork versus, you know, you're sitting down at a table <laughs> just taking your time. It's... Yeah. The chopsticks help too, right? If you're yeah. talking about Japanese food, you can't eat that much and you can't eat that fast with chopsticks compared to a spoon. You can't <laughs> shovel food into your mouth with chopsticks. Even the idea of shoveling food into your mouth, it's not really, unless it's like handheld food, you can't do that with chopsticks, so it's not really the same. You know, the topic of mm -hmm. snacking is an interesting one. Americans love to snack. Yes. <laughs> I am even amazed by it. Every time I go back to the U.S., anytime there's downtime, waiting at the airport or you're in a traffic jam or there's a, a moment where you're doing nothing, that's almost a signal to the brain to snack on something. This is not to say that Japanese don't snack because mm -hmm. they like to snack too. Yeah. But chocolate, for example, if you buy a small box of chocolates, every chocolate inside will be individually wrapped. Yeah. Then somebody explained it to me. Chocolate is consumed by women. In Japanese offices, it's frowned upon to be eating at your desk. Yeah. So having these chocolates that you could keep in your drawer or keep mm -hmm. in your purse, and you just whip out one piece of chocolate, it's <laughs> inconspicuous. You're not gonna get in trouble. Somebody in the packaging industry told me that that's why Japanese chocolate is packaged that way. So it could be consumed in a quick and easy, easy to eat. It's portable. You don't have to eat the whole box in yeah. one setting. You can just have one piece at a time. No, I think that's huge. It's the idea of not having to eat the whole thing at once. In Japan, resealable snacks are also pretty popular and the fact that you can right. eat some and then save it for later is very normalized. Whereas in the U.S., I feel like, you know, you have a big candy bar. It's not a 
common habit to start it and then put it away and then save it for a later time, but really to just finish it in that one sitting. Exactly. But, you know, you look at those sizes, they're also not small, so the idea of a snack also can end up feeling more like a light meal. <laughs> I recently read one of your outstanding articles. It was titled, Japanese Empathy Towards Boredom Snacking. Mm, yes. This is a nice segue to what we were just talking about. And you mentioned a great Japanese phrase, kuchi sabishi. Yes. <laughs> is this another one of your favorite untranslatable Japanese words? Could you talk about kuchi sabishi? Oh my God, I love kuchi sabishi. It's such a fun way to describe something that we, we all have felt, we've all experienced it. You don't need to be Japanese to understand, but kuchi sabishi directly translates to lonely mouth. Lonely yeah. mouth. Sabishi means lonely. Yes. And kuchi means mouth. Yes. It sounds a little strange, you know, like lonely mouth. So people will be like, oh, you know, I have a case of kuchi sabishi. I have the case of a lonely mouth. Maybe you can guess, but what that means is when it can roughly translate to boredom snacking. So that need to like have something in your mouth, the need to eat something, even if you're not necessarily hungry or you don't necessarily need to eat but you just want something in your mouth it's boredom yep. I think we've all experienced this I've experienced it but what I love about kichisabishi is that it takes an idea that is very commonly frowned upon so when you say like oh I boredom snack or like I compulsively eat or you're, you're binging yeah binging yeah. mindless eating like there are a lot of ways people describe this and they're all negative connotations yes not just negative in the way that it's bad, but there's a lot of self-blame. Compulsive overeating, you know, you're to blame, it's your fault. What I love about the alternative of kuchisabishi is it's a very playful way of phrasing something that is very human. To be bored is a very human emotion and to eat out of boredom, it's very natural. There's no need to shame it. There's no need to feel like you're doing something really wrong. And to frame it as oh I just have a case of lonely mouth it's very kind to yourself and in turn when you're not seeing it as oh I did something bad I need to punish myself I'm gonna eat even more because I want to feel even worse and getting into that toxic cycle if it's oh haha I overate a little bit you know I was a little bored just had a case of you can brush it off and then move on I think it's a phrase by Jillian Michaels, who's like an American personal trainer. She has a phrase that's like, hey, if you're on the road, you're driving, and you get a flat tire, you don't pull out a knife and slash the other three, you fix the tire and move on. And the idea of being kind to yourself and you know showing compassion towards things that aren't maybe your healthiest habits and being like, hey, it happens. It helps you move on, it helps you do better. That's one thing that I pick up in your writing. You're a very empathetic person. And so you often do write about how to improve your health through alternate habits, ways of thinking. Yeah. So I feel that you could be a trainer or you could be a therapist because you're very non-judgmental. You're very forgiving, understanding the human spirit. Um, thank you. That's very kind of you. Taking an empathetic approach is not only nice, but... It's very important. I think when it comes to nutrition science, we know exactly what we need to know. 
eat vegetables, don't overeat, exercise, drink water, get lots of sleep. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. You ask a first grader, what do you need to do to be healthy? They'll list the same things. We'll have these trendy new news articles saying, oh, there's like a new diet or whatever. But really, it comes down to what we've always known. The actual health problem, I think, is not just that, you know, we don't know how to be healthy, but our approach to it is not sustainable. It's not empathetic of our humanness. And so you'll see doctors who have spent their entire lives studying medicine, but they sometimes struggle with their personal health because it's the human approach to it. It's understanding what causes certain habits, why we do the things we do. And so you have to be empathetic towards yourself to understand, okay, I do these things. I know it's not necessarily in line with my health goals, but why? And so being able to understand that is really the difference between being able to be healthy very naturally and not have to worry versus someone who's like really obsessed with their health but still struggle all the time. It's really that human empathy. Wow. Your writing is never preachy. <laughs> uh, you never demonize carbs. Here's a great quote from you. Demonizing sugar does one of two things. If we choose to deprive ourselves of these special moments with our loved ones, we lose a part of what brings us joy and potentially our cultural identity and tradition. If we choose to prioritize enjoying these moments and indulge in desserts, we inevitably feel awful and blame ourselves for not having self-control. Basically what you're saying is, count the memories, not the calories. Exactly. And I think we've just come out of the big holiday seasons, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's. But I hope everyone was able to really just enjoy eating good food with their family, not worrying about calories and taking lots of photos, enjoying really quality time with our loved ones. Right. Explore Japan in comfort and ease with Dream Drive. Rent a customized camper van to go camping, take nature hikes, relax at onsens, or just discover the many beautiful places less traveled around Japan. Dream Drive has various camper vans for solo travelers and families. Go to dreamdrive.life to plan your next Japan adventure. Enter the coupon code ZEN and receive a sweet discount when making your customized camper van reservation. Dream Drive, the hotel on wheels. In our first podcast that we did back in October of 21, you gave a little bit of a background of yourself mm -hmm. and how you struggled when you were younger and this set a foundation for this career mm -hmm. and this path of nutrition and all these things. Mm -hmm. And this might be too personal. Last year, you stopped writing for a while. You later followed that up with an article where you said you were going through some difficulties and you stopped writing for a while. Yeah. So you're a very empathetic person, but do you think you're really empathetic enough for yourself? Uh, that's such a good question. Um, I Sometimes it's hard to follow your own advice. You know what's good for you. You know you need to be kinder to yourself, but... You can't help but put pressure on yourself, you know? For some context, it was, I think it was around the spring of last year, I stopped writing for a few months because I was just really overwhelmed and I was having difficulty finding my own voice. I think when you write for an audience, there's a balance of 
writing things that people are interested in, but this can also become more like clickbait, misleading, whatever right. will rile people up versus information that's really helpful is in your authentic voice is what you believe in. in. I was struggling with not being too drawn towards like the quick tactics or whatever yeah. people do to build an audience online. And, you know, I had to really think like, okay, what is my goal here? What am I trying to do for people? And what fashion do I want to do it in? You know, still make it fun for myself. Yeah, I was struggling a little bit, so I took a big pause. And you reached out to me during that time, so thank you so much. That really meant a lot to me. Did you find your voice? It's always a work in progress, the whole finding your voice and building what you want and love. But I did come back to it with a new perspective. You know, when you procrastinate, it becomes harder the longer you push it off. And I was pushing off my writing. What I really decided to do was take on another mindset that wasn't like, okay, I need to hit the ground running. It wasn't about that and doing things perfectly, but about, okay, just do one thing, one small step. It can be anything and then really celebrate it. So, you know, I wasn't writing for a while. I didn't know if I could write anything good again. I was worried how people would react, but instead of taking those worries, I wrote one subject line, one paragraph and really celebrated it and took on a very playful mindset. And I think I take this approach with people who are struggling with their health as well. It's not that you need to do a 180 with your whole lifestyle and be a perfect health you know, model, but it's okay, do one thing better than you did before, celebrate it, enjoy it, really applaud yourself for it, and then take on a playful mindset. Explore different ways of exercise, explore different meals that you want to try. If you love it, great, keep doing it. If you don't, move on. It's not the right. end of the world. <laughs> But isn't that sort of a Japanese cultural thing? Don't Japanese always want to do something perfectly? Yes,、yeah, so this is where I would love for Japanese people to learn more from Western cultures. This idea of not having to do things perfectly 100% of the time. It's a balance, of course. I do appreciate Japanese standards for the quality of the work that they deliver, the quality of how they want to perform. That is yeah, something I have a、sure. deep respect、yeah. for. But to not get so caught up in it that you become frozen, to become unable to take any action. And so that is where perfectionism can be, you know, double edged sword. And we should、yeah. keep ourselves in check. Take on a more playful mindset of it's okay to make mistakes, and being perfect really is about making a bunch of mistakes and learning from it. Yeah, I heard this great quote, and I'm gonna butcher it, I'm sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll paraphrase it.、Mm -hmm. On the spectrum of good to great, there's a huge spectrum, but just getting started puts you on the spectrum. Whereas if you're, if you're just thinking about it, you wanna do it. You're planning for it.、Yes. You're not even on the spectrum yet because、yeah. you haven't started. Just get started on something. You've taken the biggest step. You are already on the spectrum now of somewhere between good and great. The point is just get started. There's a shorter difference between good and great than there is between good and not even starting yet. Yes, that's such a good point. I like to reflect on every year what I've done, things I've learned. And one of the themes of the past year for me was there 
is a like a Japanese slang term, uh, YDK, which means YDK. Yes. So your friends might be like, "Oh, you're a YDK," or turns out he's a YDK. And what YDK stands for is Yareba Dekiruko, which translates to a child who can if they just do. Oh wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Let's try that one more okay. time. YDK. Say, say it yeah. again a little slower. It's a Japanese slang term for yareba dekiru ko. So a child who can if they do. Even a child can do it? So even a child can do it. You know, a lot of the times. And a YDK is a kind of a condescending term sometimes to be like, describe someone who's not motivated usually or isn't very confident in themselves. But when they do actually take the chance on themselves to do something, they actually can do whatever they want. And so I really like this idea of YDK and how it specifies a child. Adults tend to overthink things. We tend to think of, okay, pros, cons, what can go wrong? But a child really will do things without thinking. They'll just be like, I have this idea, I want to do it, I'm just going to go for it. So I love that YDK specifies a child. and. That we can, as adults, also learn from that mindset of, okay, we're we've all been kids, we've all had that way of thinking, and we should also take a chance on ourselves of, if I just try, I probably can, and I think we all share that trait of, yeah. you know, being unsure of ourselves, but we should all take a chance, try something new. <laughs> okay, well, I love it. <laughs> I can see you're starting to verge on motivational speaker now. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a good thing because with your foundation in nutrition, mental health, well-being, when you talk about those things, those should be motivational for people.、Mm-hmm. So adding a little bit more of、uh, psychology, maybe、yes. you could be a motivational speaker. I do think to help other people. A lot of people underestimate their own ability, and so part of my work is not just teaching people tips on how to eat well or exercise habits that they might be able to try, but really building that confidence of, hey, you just you can do this. You just need to try. Giving people motivation, giving people confidence, and helping people trust themselves because I believe with health, it's not a lack of information out there, but it's really a lack of. Confidence in ourselves and trust in the process, and so, yeah, I guess part of my work is motivational speaking, and that's something that I would proudly do. <laughs> nice. I don't know if this is legal to <laughs> announce. You have written a book. You're about to publish a book. Yes. Is this something we can talk about? Yes, I would love to talk about it. And yes, I'd love to hear about it. I've been wanting to talk about it for a while, but we're finally in the place where I can. Great! I have written a book. I've been writing it for the past almost two years. When I, the opportunity first came up, I underestimated how much work it'd be. I was kind of like, "Oh, I'll write a book. That sounds fun. This will be great." And then I was like, "The amount of work involved. Oh my god!" But. It's finally done. It's something I feel really, really proud of. Congratulations!、Um, what's what's it called? Thank you. It's called Wa the Art of Balance. Wa the Art of Balance. Yes.、Oh, just the title <laughs> alone is a New York Times bestseller. <laughs> I can see it already, Kaki. Thank you. To explain the title a bit more and what's in the book, 
wa is a Japanese word or Japanese character that describes harmony. So directly translated means harmony, but wa is also a character to describe Japanese things. And so wafuku is Japanese clothing, washoku, Japanese food, washi is Japanese paper, but wa also means harmony. The idea of wa is, you know, about things being in balance, things being relational to other things, and that harmony is very key to Japanese culture and Japanese values, which is why that kanji is used to describe Japanese things. I thought it was like the perfect character to describe the title of my book, which is really about how we can find balance in our own lives. When I talk about health, I don't talk in extremes of do this or don't do that, or you need to eat a lot of this, eat none of that. It's really about finding your own balance. It's not just about exercise or about eating, but also times of quiet versus times of doing lots of work, when to know to rest, when to self-motivate. And so being able to find that balance. When to (laughs) (laughs) self-medicate. Being able to find that balance, I think, is really the key to helping people find their own true health. What inspired you to write this book? This might sound cheesy, but it's really the readers who reach out to me after reading my articles and going, hey, this really helped me change my perspective on healthy eating. I've started this this week. I already feel much better. Some people oh, write to me. so encouraging. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. If you ever read something that's helped you, please reach out. It's really motivating to me, and I love hearing people's stories. You know, sometimes people reach out to me months or years later. One person... I think she's in her 70s, and she was describing how she's really, really stiff. Her back hurt, her joints hurt, it's really hard for her to move around. She read one of my pieces on makoho, which is a type of stretching developed by a person in Japan. It's like a three-minute exercise that people do in the morning and evening, and the idea is that if you do these stretches every day, you'll improve your mobility. So she read this article, started doing them, and then reached out to me being like, you know, I feel much better. I recently went to my grandkids' house and played with them on the floor. I couldn't do that before. Oh and gosh. to have changed her quality of life in that manner through my writing was something where I, was, I felt very proud of, but also super in awe that people would take my writing into their own hands and improve their own wow, lives. So, so touching. Yeah, it was really amazing. And so. Did you cry? I may have cried. (laughs) Yeah, getting messages like that have really made me think, okay, I want to create something evergreen that people can read 20, 30, 40 years from now and still glean information from and inspire them to maybe change something about their own lifestyle that will help them improve their health. How much of the content of this book did you take from your previous writings on Medium and how much of this, as you said, Greenfield, how much of it was just completely brand new writings? Of course, a lot of it is inspired by what I've already written. So this is an illustrated book. It's not just my writing, but I've added illustrations. The new parts are more, I think there's more focus on social health and our mental health, so how to find rest, things about work and you know what it means to work in a way that gives you a lot of energy and fulfillment but not lead to burnout and how to build community around yourself and you know surround yourself with love (laughs) so that's more the newer stuff i also have some new recipes in there i also write a lot about how to eat well how to exercise and 
Um, it sounds like a yeah. lot of your articles <laughs> on Medium. When is the book available? The book, oh god, I forgot the date. It's available in March of this year, so very, very soon. March of 2023. It will be available online in Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Are you self-published? No, so the way this book happened was I had a literary agent reach out to me. She was like, hey, I've read your writing. Are you interested in writing a book? And at the time, I wasn't, you know, in a place to write a book, so I said, no, but I'll keep you in mind. And then a few months later, an editor reached out to me, you know, like, hey, have you written a book? And I was in a place where I felt much more interested in the idea. So reached out to the agent, signed with her. She's been super supportive and encouraging. And then I love the editor that I work with. They've been a great team. And so from there, just, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to push the book. You could become a New York Times bestseller then, could you? <laughs> I mean, in theory, it's my first book, so there's a lot of, if I had the opportunity to redo this, there are different things that I would change in my approach, but yes, I do feel very proud of the end result. Um, I hope it does well. (laughs) It's going to be a great book, and I look forward to reading it, and I hope someday that you'll sign a copy for me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No, of course, I will send a signed copy for you. (laughs) Kaki Okumura author <laughs> and until now you were just writer I know. now you're an author <laughs> well where can people go to read your excellent articles yes first recommend you sign up for my email newsletter i send out a newsletter every sunday they're short sweet they're meant to be fun and informative people can learn about japanese help that way How can people sign up for your newsletter? You can either go to my website, which is www.kakikata.space, or you can follow me on Instagram. The sign-up link is in the bio. My Instagram handle is also kakikata.space. Another place you can find me is on Medium. My writing is under kakiokurumura, and you can find the whole archive there. So if you really want to go deep and see the things I've written in the past, then... That's also an excellent place to find my writing. Highly recommend it. That's how I discovered you. (laughs) Yes. Um, Kaki, anything else you want to talk about? Any any of the topics to to chat about today? Oh, no. This has been like an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me. If I were to leave, you know, one piece of advice for anyone listening to this right now, considering it's January, I think a lot of people have those New Year's resolutions and wanting to change their life sort of mindset and yes write that inspiration write that energy but don't be too hard on yourself take baby steps don't feel like you need to change everything about yourself find you know what you enjoy what you don't like and build off that if you're trying to build healthier habits this year if you're listening to this sometime that's not around new year's the advice still applies there's something in your life that you want to build towards change start small Celebrate early, celebrate everything, and practice compassion. It's all about wa, the art <laughs> of balance. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Wow. Kaki, again, thanks so much for your time today. It's always a true pleasure to speak with you. And I wish you excellent success with your new book and becoming an author. <laughs> Continued success, I should say. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kaki. And that was Kaki Okumura, writer, author, author, Champion of the people for teaching about nutrition, 
Well-Being and Healthy Living, inspired by Japanese principles. Her new book, WA, The Art of Balance, will be available this March on Amazon and at most major bookstores in North America. I also recommend her wonderful articles online on Medium under her name, Kaki Okumura, and also her website, kakikata.space. Her articles and messages are life-inspiring, so check it out. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more conversations like today's, go to nowandzen.jp or iTunes or any other podcast platform. Now and Zen is available on most all of them. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, everyone.